Welcome everyone to uh, Soul Revival Digital on a Sunday. It's great to have you with us. And it's also great to have uh, two lovely guests on the panel with me. Uh, first, I have Amy. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. Yes. Thank you Thank you for coming along. <laughs> and um, we have Paul. How are you? I'm well, thank you too. That's excellent. Now, um, something, Paul, that I thought would be cool to talk about, especially for those on Sunday uh, morning in particular, but also um, other people on Sundays afternoons at Cronulla can get involved in, is uh, you're having um, now instituted a, a Zoom prior to the service. Is that correct? That's correct. So uh, one of the good ideas that came out of the planning day was uh, to catch up on Zoom um, before the gathering on Sunday morning. Uh, it's funny because... Um, People are also getting this zoomed out and, and they're a little bit over all the screens. But I think um, we just thought that'd actually be a really nice way to um, preserve the space at that time on a Sunday morning to think actually before the gathering was actually quite a good good thing to do because we sort of we, we can lock the time in to be nice and short and sweet. And so essentially what we do is we gather and, and pray together, uh, break up into little, little sep- smaller groups where we can share with one another how we're all going, pray, and we wrap up by 9.25 um, so that we can then watch church. Yeah, cool. Amy, have you managed to mm. jump on that? Yeah, we did the first week, and then last week we slept in by accident. Because <laughs> so um, of daylight savings? Daylight savings, yeah. <laughs> but um, the first one was great. It really felt um, felt a lot more connected and a lot more like church. Mm. I felt like we were watching church together that when I went to sit down there and listen I wasn't doing it by myself, but I could imagine other people doing it too. So it was really good. That's really cool. Well, I hope you jumped on this morning, guys, prior to seeing our beautiful faces. And um, <laughs> I, um, thank you for joining us. And we're just going to switch over to an announcement from Stu now, who's going to tell us about how we're moving forward as a church. everyone uh, it's great to be here with you again this weekend and we're really appreciative of all the hard work that our digital team and our communication team are putting into giving us the opportunity to get together uh, like this we also uh, are really appreciative of just how hard everyone's doing it at the moment as we still uh, are continuing to work out uh, what the future holds last week at uh, our digital gathering and last week in our newsletter we said that we would let everybody know when we were planning on coming back to physical gatherings. And like we said we do last weekend, we had a full council meeting on Wednesday with the full council of 70 coordinators of Soul Revival Church. And we talked about what would be the best way to come back together uh, safely and also to include everybody as well. Uh, We were ready to make a call for this weekend except uh, the New South Wales government on Thursday uh, made a few adjustments, some fine-tuning to the roadmap. And because uh, the new Premier has put together some new ideas for coming back together in the new roadmap, we have decided it would be wise to give uh, the Archbishop a week to digest that information and then get back to us about what we will be doing as an Anglican church. So I just wanted to let you know this weekend that we will be letting you know as soon as possible when we're going to come back to physical gatherings, but we are going to wait one more week so that we can digest the new information that came out yesterday. So I just wanted to thank everyone for their patience and thank everyone for your feedback that you've given 
leaving me and the other pastors uh, and people on the council. The wardens are really appreciative of the conversation that's taking place around this and how many people are giving feedback. So please feel free to get in touch with us uh, if you would like to. If you have any extra questions, you can get in touch with me directly. My phone number's on our website, soulrevivalchurch.com. So thanks again and continue to pray for the leadership as we digest that information next week. And we're looking forward to more clarity next week. Thank you again, one way.
everyone. It's great to have you, and I am also. It's great. To, well, I'm also joined, and it's great to have them. Amy is here on the panel with me again, and also I am joined by uh, one of our friends, uh, Li- uh, not Lionel. I was about to say Lionel. Sorry, oh, it's, Lionel. It's messy, isn't it? Yay! Hey, how, how are you? Um, good. That's great. Your hair looks fantastic today. Oh, so does yours. <laughs> COVID cut. Yeah, well, you can't see it because I've got, I've got a cover. I have to get a COVID cut. Oh, I thought that was your hair. <laughs> yeah, very white hair. <laughs> I've gone uh, silver fox very early, in early age. Looks good. Thank you. Um, have you seen? Have you met Amy before? No. Oh well, this we is Amy. Met. Hi, Hi, Amy. Hi, Messy. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I I'm, I feel like you're familiar. You look mm. similar to somebody who mm. I've already mm. met. Do I, we work together? <laughs> well, I don't think I've seen you at. In the same place at the same time, that's all. Mm. Must be Stu. Hang on. No, hang on. No, look. Ah, that's what it is. The ah. likeness. I knew you reminded me of someone. Ah, that's my big brother. Oh, it's your brother. Mm. Oh, I see. That's why you look similar. I can tell it's the... Um, the um, what would it be? Mm. Oh. We're both green. Well, no. Mm. I think it's the eyes. Is ah, it the eyes? Yeah, yeah, the eyes. Yeah, they look, yeah, those yeah. are very similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, look at that. They're beautiful. Exactly the mm. same. Beautiful. So bright and white. It's amazing. What um, what things are you different um, with your brother? Well, What's different? I don't like cleaning. You don't uh, like cleaning? Yep. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Anything um, else? Um, I like volleyball. Oh, volleyball. volleyball. What Lionel doesn't like volleyball? No, no, no. What's no, his no, no, choice no. of sport? Oh, uh, bocce. Bocce, <laughs> right? Okay. You're also a lot quieter than your brother. Yeah. Do you get told need, that a lot? Yep. Don't need too many loud people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We um we're often very similar to people in our family and sometimes we can be such opposites. Mm. Do you have mm. um, any kids in your family who are very similar to you or show any similarities to um, you there? Well, oh, not you. I'm not talking to oh, you. Sorry, Messi. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to answer and then you can answer, Messi. How does that next sound? Messi, okay. Uh, I do, it's interesting <laughs> that, like, so I have three children. And it's interesting to see different aspects of your personality or how you look in each of the different ones. So my daughter, for example, probably has my wild side. Oh, yeah. But um, my son, for example, has my love of maps. So oh, that's, that's you a, go. That's Lo- who would have thought a love of maps? It's love amazing of ma- maps what and we maths. have on oh, maths. Both. Oh, maths. Maps and maths. Oh, maths. I thought you said maths. He (laughs) likes to sit on a mat. (laughs) Didn't know that about you. No, it's really interesting what gets um, passed on. Mm. Do you um, – that – so do either of them look like you? Oh, yes, I think so. It's interesting. all of them look like you? I think when my children were born, they looked a lot more like their mum, Karen, my wife. Yes. But but they did have – They've got my long eyelashes and they had my blue eyes, ah. which I thought was interesting. But now their eye colour is starting to change too, which is really funny. There you go. Mm. So you can have something similar and then it changes. Mm, exactly. Do you know a lot of babies that are born with blue eyes don't stay blue-eyed? I've heard that. They can change to brown eyes. And when my oldest son was born, he had dark hair and then he turned out to be really, really, really blonde, like white. 
and it's changing again. Wow. Yeah. Did you always have purple hair, Messi? Oh, uh, no, I got orange hair. Mm, you were born with orange hair and then it went purple. Uh, still orange. Okay. <laughs> yep. Sure. A bit like Lionel. Lionel sometimes gets a few <laughs> colours mixed up too. As a family trait. Yeah, yeah. Yep, some- we're all green. <laughs> yep. Okay, you're all green. Okay, sometimes kids don't um, always look like their dad or look like their mum. They might not look like either, but sometimes they can sound like their dad or they might like the same things as their mum. It doesn't always have to be what they um, look like. In fact, um, I remember when I was a younger girl, there was a boy that lived on my street and he looked and sounded and did exactly the same things as his dad. And I was so amazed when I was told he was adopted. (laughs) He just walked the same way, he talked the same way, he loved fishing like his dad, he did everything with his dad and and I thought, gee, his dad must be really loving and he must love his dad a lot to be like him. I thought, I've always remembered that boy and his dad. And um, do you know, this is what our Bible reading's talking about too. Really? Mm, that's true. Are you much like your dad there, Messi? Um, same eyes. <laughs> same eyes. What about your heavenly father, which I think something is Amy's going to tell us about? Um, do you know? Amy, you'll tell us. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that you are in not just Lionel's family, but God's family? Wow. Yeah, it's a massive family, and I'm in it. Bigger than mine? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Because yeah, you have a few hundred siblings, don't you? You've told us a few that before. Hundred? But we have, I think there's even more in God's family. Wow. Mm. That's right. And all the characters in, or most of the characters in this Bible, most of them, they're in that family too. Mm. And people that we've never met, they're in that family too. It's huge. And so that's why sometimes when you come to church, you might hear people talking about your brother or your sister at church. And you think, oh, I didn't know that I should call them my brother or sister. But it's talking about God's family, that we're all in this family together. Do you think I could read you a little verse, Messy? I think you'll like this one. Yay! Okay, so it's from 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, and it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when Jesus returns, we're going to see how much we are like him and we're going to be more and more like him. And so we're going to start to resemble Jesus, just like you resemble your dad or your mom or your brother, <laughs> whoever. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Well, I hope that you can um, have, check out the Bible a little bit more there, Messi, and you can find out how you are part of God's mm, family. What I'll have to learn how to read first. Yeah, that might be an occasion for everyone at home too. They can do that as well. You need to learn how to read. Is that what you said? Yep. Okay. Well, yep. Start with that, and then we can we can read the Bible to you until you know how to read. Yay! Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> so make sure you're reading the Bible with your mum and dad, or any of your carers. That'd be awesome. And uh, I'm going to make sure I'm reading the Bible too. But because we are about to pray, also, so I'm going to talk. We're going to listen to God by reading the Bible, and also talk to God right now.
Hi everybody, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you as your children, totally accepted, totally loved. We know that we are secure in our relationship with you because of what Jesus did for us, humbly laying down his life so that we may have life and be restored into relationship with you and with each other. Father, as we reflect on you and, and the situations of the, the situation that the world is in right now, we are so thankful that we are safe in your hands. Father, we pray for our world. Help us to have the eyes for the world that you have, to have compassion for those around us, to show love and grace to others, but to also be wise and aware of the potential that things of this world have to draw our eyes away from you and to focus in on ourselves. 1 John encourages us to walk in the light and Father we pray that you'll help us to see the areas of our lives that we try to keep hidden in the dark. Lord we know that those that there are parts of ourselves that don't bring you glory and so Father we pray that you'll help us to take our eyes, to keep our eyes focused on you and to take them off the things that distract us so that we can walk in the ways that Jesus did. Father, as we move closer to the time when we're going to be able to physically gather together again, we pray for patience, we pray for wisdom and grace as we consider the needs of the people in our community and we listen to the advice of many voices of our political leaders, our health leaders, our church leaders. Please help us to be discerning, please help us to be um, people of wisdom and please be with our pastors and leaders as they discuss and consider um, what that wisdom shows us, what wise ways uh, we can use to move back to physical gatherings again. Lord, please help us to be people of peace as we discuss these issues with one another. We thank you, Father, too, for the many people in our church who lead our various ministries. We're so blessed to have so many people who are willing to serve you in, this, in various ways. And so, Father, we want to pray for all of them as they start meeting in teams this week to plan how to safely return to physical gatherings and to resume all the various practices that make up the rhythms of our church. Lord, we pray that you will equip each leader with wisdom as they discuss these things and, and we pray that each leader will seek your guidance in the decisions that they make. Father, you've made us all unique and this beautiful diversity that we have in our community makes us a strong community. So Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to bind us together in unity as we seek to serve you and live as a community of faith. There are so many difficult things that we need to get, navigate at the moment and to manage as we move back to physical gatherings. And so, Father, we pray that you'll help us to remain unified. We pray that you'll protect and guard our church against anything that may cause division among us. And, Father, too, we want to pray more broadly for those people in our community and across the world who are also dealing with the impact of COVID. Lord, we pray that you would intervene and bring an end to this disease. We pray, too, for our Indigenous partners in Bawarana, Dubbo, and northwestern New South Wales who will also be preparing to return to physical gatherings and are grappling with these same things. Lord, we pray for them too that you'll keep the vulnerable people in these areas safe and that you'll equip the church leaders as they love and care for their communities. Lord, we pray too for those in our community who are sick or struggling. Please give them the patience and the perseverance that they need as they deal with illness or hardships right now. We know, Lord, that this time of lockdown has been an emotionally difficult time for many people and the toll of loneliness, anxiety and depression is really hard to bear. So, Father, we pray that you'll prompt us to pray or to reach out to those people around us who may be in need so that we can show love to one another. And we pray that your spirit of peace and comfort would also be with them. 
Thank you, Lord, that we can bring all of these things to you. And we pray them all in the name of Jesus, our precious Lord and Saviour. Amen. Today's reading is from 1 John, commencing chapter 2, verse 28, through to chapter 3, verse 10. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appears so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seeds remain in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, thanks very much to Ian for doing the Bible reading for us. Uh, make sure you keep the Bible open to 1 John chapter 3, because um, we're going to chat right now to Paul, who's going to be doing the sermon for us. But what I might do before you just get straight into the sermon is I might pray for us and pray for yourself before you bring us God's Word. So I'll do thank that you. now. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for this opportunity to still meet around your Word, even though it is online. And um, we thank you for the way that Paul has prepared um and studied your word in order to bring um, it to us today. And uh, we just pray that you would prepare our hearts to listen to your word and um, give Paul the right message that you're intending for us to um, hear today. Uh, we thank you very much for your word and that it's just timeless and that we can read it and hear it and know it um, regardless of whether we are meeting physically or we are at home on home, uh, currently in our current situation. And we thank you for um, Paul, and we pray for him now. Amen. Amen. Thanks. No Thanks, Joel. And as um, we're saying, it would be good to keep that part of God's Word open, 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at bits of that um, over the next few minutes. But first, a couple of scenarios for you. You turn up to work one morning, and your boss hands you Employee of the Year Award. And along with that, a number of valuable perks. And you might think to yourself, I didn't see that coming. 
you thought it was going to be a low-key dinner date. But your boyfriend sits you down to an exquisite three-course meal before asking him, asking you to marry him. You might think, I didn't see that coming. You're packing your bags for a holiday when the message appears on your mobile telling you that your parents have paid for you to stay on at the resort for an extra few days. I didn't see that coming. You were planning for it to be a quiet drink with a few friends. But suddenly, all your friends and family appear and they've pulled out all the stops in celebration of your birthday. You didn't see that coming. Well, have you ever been on the receiving end of lavish love? You know, when someone has gone the extra mile in showing their love and appreciation of you. Have a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, that we just read, where John writes this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, the examples I started with uh, were all pretty lavish, um, but God's work here is on another level. Out of his great love, God the Father has dealt lavishly with us. He has moved way beyond the bounds of expectation and entitlement and he's lavished upon us the status of being his children. Now, you and I certainly didn't see that coming because, I mean, who would have predicted that God the Father would bring us, you and me, uh, to stand with his own beloved Son, We're brought in on the same love that the Father has for Jesus Christ. And we now stand as co-heir of all things with him. So again, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. John's pushing us here. He wants us to take that great promise to our heart. But of course, um, it's going to take time for our minds and hearts to catch up with this new reality. Um, And this is all the more challenging because uh, in the day-to-day, much goes on the same as it always has. Uh, You know, the next time you're in the supermarket, people are not going to look at you and say, now there's a child of God. Your status has not been made public yet. And so we read on from verse 1. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. Now this can be a real tension, isn't it? Um, Here we're being told that we have this incredible new privilege, but so often we still feel like an outsider. What is more, I mean others might be questioning our claim to God's family membership. But then look at the promise at the end of verse 2. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The question is, how will we claim, how will our claim to family membership stand up in the face of scrutiny? Um, How can we know that we are children of God? Well, we can know this because we will start to display the family likeness, as it says that we shall be like him. And when Jesus appears on that great day, when he comes back again, 
the likeness will be uncanny. We will love and live even as Christ loves and lives. And that is the goal of our whole being. So if we are children of God, then something of the family likeness is going to start rubbing up on that's going to start rubbing up on us and showing itself in the way we live. Now, um, in our chapter today, the family likeness is actually shown will show itself in two ways, in righteousness and in love. And of course, um, these characteristics are modeled perfectly by God's firstborn son, Jesus Christ. And so John will keep using this repeated phrase in this section and to help us focus our attention on Christ, to model our actions just as he is. So we read in verse 3, All of us uh, who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And from the end of verse 5, In him, in Jesus that is, there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And verse 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. And so here we have the first characteristic. We become those who do what is righteous. We aim to do what is right. And there is an unmistakable shift in our lives away from doing what is wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but it does seem very blunt to talk like this in today's culture of relativism. You know how it goes. Um, how could anyone be so bold to be able to tell somebody else that what they're doing is right or wrong? What I consider to be wrong, you may well consider to be right, and vice versa. But this is what changes for the child of God. No longer do I determine for myself what is right. No longer do I look at the person next to me and look to them to see what they determine what is right. Instead, I look to God and let him determine what is right and what is wrong. But even though there may be a shift towards doing what is right, um, the aim of purity, righteousness and no sin will that starts to feel almost impossible because we fail so often. And at the very outset of this letter, we read just a couple of weeks ago, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, when we're reflecting upon this idea of having no sin in our lives, um, we've got to understand that when John speaks of sin here, he'll switch between a couple of understandings of sin. There is the idea that there are individual sinful actions. We might call that little s, sin. And then there is a sinful way of life, a, a disposition of rebellion and enmity toward God. And that's like capital S, sin. And so for the child of God, there's been a radical interruption to the way of life. No longer are they inclined towards doing things that are wrong, in rebellion or indifference to God, their lives are now inclined towards doing what is right or seeking to please God, to do what's right in his eyes. And that continues to be our disposition, our inclination, 
even in spite of the fact that we might fall short and sin along the way. So if we keep humbly seeking to serve God, then you are a child of God, and that's what our aim is to be. And also, our ability to become like Jesus is because his work at the cross has dealt with sin. Have a look at verse 5 again, but from the whole, from the beginning. Verse 5 here, But you know that he appeared, so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Okay, so what will a child of God look like? What will the family resemblance be? Well, they'll be seeking to live a righteous life. Okay, that's the first characteristic we talked about. Now the second one here is the child of God will be someone who loves others. Again, there's an unmistakable shift in our lives away from hatred and apathy. If the children of God are those who do right by God, then the children of God are also those who will do right by one another. And that's what's meant here by loving one another. Here's what changes for a child of God. No longer am I concerned only what is right for me. I'm now just as concerned for what is right for my brother and my sister. And I'll be moved to willingly make sacrifices for them. And so we read, jumping ahead to chapter 3, verse 16, here on the screen for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, as you may well know, as we look at popular culture and the world around us, love is a word that is thrown around all the time. But John here wants to ground the concept of love here at the foot of the cross. Again, Jesus is our perfect example. And the verses here will not let us off with some vague intention of love. The call is to love in action and in truth. Now, one concrete application that John provides in this passage is to provide for those in need, um, financially for those people in need. And just a couple of weeks ago in our church, we've aimed to do that as we set up an account for people to provide food vouchers for those that were struggling at this time. But we've got to think too that we can be generous with not just money, but we can be generous with a whole bunch of other commodities. It might be the commodity of time, um, to be able to do things for others, to take time out to do those things. Helping someone to move house, for example, or offering to mow the lawn if they can't do that for themselves. It might be in the area of hospitality, where we might be able to care for people, care for others. And just a couple of weeks ago, We had a Christian sister drop by our place and drop off a meal for our family. And it was just so timely, so encouraging, so delicious. (laughs) It might be prayer. It might be just taking time out to pray for another person, uh, offering to go for a walk with them until we get through lockdown. Um, You name it, the list is endless when you start thinking about it. 
But friends, we've got to know there's always going to be that battle, that little war that's going on inside of us um, because we often want to do what's right only for ourselves. The default mode of the human heart is self-preservation and often objects to our calls upon it to be generous and even to condemn us when we want to give self-sacrificially. There's a, um, a meanness sometimes to the human heart um, which is not found in God's own heart. Thank God for that. For the child of God, there has been again a radical interruption to that way of life. No longer are our hearts inclined to only doing what is right by ourselves, but now our hearts are inclined to doing right for others. So there you go. I mean, just the beginning, two broad characteristics that can be found in the people of God who reflect the likeness of Christ, righteousness and love. These are the traits of those who are the children of God. I mean, if you like, this is something of a a legitimacy, that's a tough word to say, legitimacy test for God's family. Now, John simply doesn't say, you know what, do right, love others, without acknowledging that there are a number of forces opposed to God's children. He warns um, of the world and how it will hate God's people in chapter 3, verse 13, um, which actually almost is a direct echo of a warning from Jesus who speaks and recorded in John's Gospel in chapter 15, verse 19 and 20. I've got it here on the screen for you. Hear the words of Jesus. Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, for I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the world. Uh, remember the word that I said to you: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so, what have we already seen a little bit earlier in chapter two last week? That the world and God are at, at odds with one another. The world and its desires are passing away, while God remains. The false teachers in the world will deny that Jesus is the Christ. And the world did not recognise Jesus and so it doesn't recognise us as God's children. John knows that we will live with very real external pressures and he acknowledges that our very own hearts may condemn us. But we can also rest assured that it's God is greater than our hearts and he is the one who even moves in our hearts in the first place to give us those niggling pangs of doubt so that we might call and reach out to him. We read that in chapter 3, verse 20 here. I've got this on screen for us. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Now the key to all this, I think, is to understand that we cannot affect change by our own effort. We can only come to be like Christ by continuing in him. And that's the call, actually, at the very head of our passage today. In chapter 2, verse 28, it says this, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. 
That is, we must continue to believe in him, to remain committed to him. Only then will his characteristics start to become evident and visible in our lives. So how do we remain in Christ? In a time when we can't see him physically, well, we, we must keep trusting in him. Even though he is absent physically, we will wait for him to be revealed for who he really is, the king of all creation. And when we hold to this, we will actually be transformed into his likeness, his righteousness and his love, little by little. When we hold to Jesus and his teaching and his lordship, then we'll know how to act in certain situations because his word will reveal it to us. Now, all sorts of questions get raised in our human families when one member or another fails to display the family likeness. However subtle, some sort of likeness needs to be there. And if you're only displaying traits that are contrary to God, well then, whose child are you? And the sober warning is here that if you're not a child of God, then you'll actually find yourself in another family, the family of the devil. Chapter 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Friends, the challenge of this passage is profoundly practical. Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you striving to do what is right? Are you seeking to love others? Now, all of us are going to be at different points in our Christian growth. It might be that God's seed has only just been planted in you and that the shoots of life are, are yet to break through the surface. But friends, be assured. If it is God's seed, it will grow and soon you'll be producing fruit as a true child of God, shining forth his family likeness. For the most part, the world won't recognise us. But it might be that one day, when you're going about your everyday life, someone will notice that you go about the usual in the most unusual way. It may only be a glimpse. It actually might be a bright light shining into a darkened world. But it will serve to tell others this, and who we truly are, that we are the children of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again we do thank and praise you for your word. We thank and praise you for your love that you have lavished upon us by enabling us to become your children. Lord, please strengthen us, we pray. Please help us to be people who do what is right. Please help us to be people who have an eye to our brothers and sisters, to seek to serve them in love. Lord, we do pray you would strengthen us to be able to do that, even despite the fact that we might be under opposition from the world and from even doubt within our own hearts. Please strengthen our hearts and our minds, we pray, to become more and more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul, for bringing us the message. Uh, appreciate always it. Always my pleasure. Always appreciate <laughs> it. Um, uh, I was going to ask a question of you, Amy. Mm. Um, I I believe you have a reasonably large family. Is that cor- is that correct? 
Um, not compared to the new, not compared to the uh, new premier. Oh yes, yes, he has got I a lot, beat, uh, quite a lot of children, hasn't he? <laughs> I used to think I did, but not anymore. Oh yeah, I think it's four. Because <laughs> is it four four boys you've got? Yeah, four boys. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's quite a lot. Um, I was just thinking, um, being part of a family that large, you probably agree that our families shape us quite a lot. Um, yes. And we spend, and as parents, you spend a lot of time shaping as well. Yes. So my question was going to be. And Paul's talking about us being part of God's even bigger family um, and taking on that family likeness. I noticed that you made a few notes. Do you have any thoughts in regards to taking on family likeness as part of God's children? Yeah. Um, oh, taking on family likeness. Yeah, I think. Um, you can take your mask off when you're oh, talking sorry, to. Yeah, no, I've it's got, just I was easier in to my see. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about how. Paul was saying that the more time you can reflect and think and seek Jesus, the more you will mimic him, mm. the more you'll look like him and resemble him. And that's our aim as Christians. And, yeah, you see that the more time you spend with your family, the more you sound like them, the more you like the things that they like. Dress the um, same. Dress the same. <laughs> I've even got the same laugh as my mother. It's really uncanny. <laughs> but, yeah, the more time you do spend with God, the more that I think you will look like him mm. and resemble him. Mm. I mean, it's, a little, it's a little bit hard to do so at the moment because we're not spending as much time together as God's family, but um, it's a refinement process, right, Paul, of like making us more like Jesus, whether it was through struggle and those people that we're part of God's family help us through the struggle or we can help other people. Is that That's kind of where you were going as well with being also in the world of being God's children and actually the, well, the world doesn't recognise God's children sometimes, but sometimes we, we're able to do an action like that um, to actually show that we are part of God's family. Yeah, it's almost like, like I was saying, um, people might even notice the way you go about the usual um, things in maybe an unusual way. And so, again, um, that you may not react the same way. Um, um, we were talking the other night about um, language and how people might notice difference in language um, that's more pure um, or more encouraging. Um, I remember hearing a story once of a, of a teacher who, um, when they were in the staff room, they would change the, 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 the atmosphere of the staff room because they they had proactively talked positively, um, encouraged fruitful conversation, not simply allow the time to sort of like just descend into a, a whinge um, time. Um, so much so that I heard that whenever they would go out onto playground duty, when it was their time for playground duty, another teacher once went out and stood with them at playground duty. I mean, the thing that no teacher really wants to do and they were saying, why, did you, why have you come and join me on playground? And go, well, when you're not there, the, the atmosphere in the staff room is not that great. And so they could see this difference in, in their life, in the way they spoke, even in the influence of others around them. And so these little, uh, a glimmer, in that case, actually in some ways a bright light shining into the darkness, um, we can be a bit like that mm. um, in our way of life that we display this likeness. Mm. Amy, has there been any time in your life where you, you think you've seen that glimmer make a difference to other people? From my life? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
don't know. I've definitely seen it in other people. Okay, you can think of that too. It's fine. Yeah, I think that's easier to talk about maybe. Yeah, <laughs> go with that. Yeah, um, I think I can almost smell another Christian <laughs> when you don't know where their um, loyalties lie. I remember uh, when we first moved over this side, um, hanging outside the school gate with all the mums, um, waiting to pick up the kids. And I didn't know which mum was attached to which child and I was trying to be friendly and I just met this lovely lady and we were talking and just the way that she spoke, I said, are you a Christian? And of course she was, <laughs> of course she was. And I could just tell and we've become really good friends since. And yeah, I think, you, yeah, absolutely you can spot it. And then you're doing that in front of, in front of everyone else. So that's... That's really cool too. Like you, you, you and that other mum together are a real yeah, bloomer maybe. for everyone else, which is really cool too. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, that's really encouraging. Uh, so thank you. I might, I might <laughs> embarrass Amy just a little bit here, but we know that she has made an impact on others. Um, uh, we're happy, happy having to uh, help out a, a lady who's been having a bit of a struggle um, lately um, through a relationship breakdown. And she had to move her stuff out. And um, Amy and Tim have very kindly allowed her to store some stuff in where in your garage not warehouse garage <laughs> we got a warehouse too no not a warehouse so in a garage just like everybody else's garage um so the car's living outside now um she makes comment to us she's not a believer um she makes comment about how much she's been impressed by by you guys mm. and oh. she goes what's what is it about those guys that makes them so loving and caring so we've had lots of opportunities through your generous, generous act mm -hmm. to share the gospel with this lady. So oh. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you, Paul, for bringing us yeah. the sermon. And thank you very much, Amy, for being so encouraging. So <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you also to everyone at home. Thank you for your encouragement and how much of you are an encouragement to us. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just got a couple of things to let you know about is the Shock Absorber Conference is coming up. That's going to be on the 30th of October. Now, it's a completely free event for people within Soul Revival Church and also outside. And all we're doing is talking about um, how we run church and how we do it and why we do it. Um, in particular, we are going to do a focus on hospitality and how well our hospitality service teams around all our gatherings um, pull off. Uh, feeding everyone, which is quite a feat sometimes. So that's something we're going to focus on, but we're also going to talk about intergenerational ministry and why it's so important to us as a church. So if you're interested in that, you can go to shockabsorber.com.au and just register there. There's a button. You can just hit register and put in your email and we'll send you all the details. It'll be all online or just be on Zoom. So um, you just can do it from the comfort of your own lounge room. Uh, the other thing to think about is the Triple H podcast. We actually have Angela Greaves from um, Saturday Night. She's on there talking about how she grew up as a Christian, which has been fantastic. There's something we're doing with every a lot of people from our church, just finding out how they came, became a Christian and how they grew up as a Christian. So check that out on either on YouTube or on your podcast app. And for now, we might wrap it up and say thank you very much for joining us, but we always like to finish with a one-way. Do you want to do a one-way? Like this? Yep, yeah, one-way, that's it. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's a bit weird in 
that I became a Christian at a puppet show. Okay. Yeah, so Lionel has really brought back the memories, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Having Lionel here, soft spot. Um, where there was a puppet show, like yeah. a kid's really? Easter um, service. Mm. And there was the puppets out the front. That was a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, secrets out. No. Uh, <laughs> it was actually Ange all along. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and the, the guy afterwards who was probably maybe the puppeteer, came out and then did a bit of a... Um, so if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, maybe you could do that now and you could pray the prayer with me. So I, I did that then, but I think before that...